All right. Today we're going to continue and conclude raw material. Law of One Session 97 was received September 15, 1982. We've gone through about half of the session, and in the first half, uh, we had a lot of personal material uh, regarding the uh, the real world dynamics of the LNL group. Uh, considering a move to another house, and uh, Don's um, continuing struggle with the meaning of the hawk, and Ra's limited responses regarding um, the meaning of that bird as a sign, and <clears throat> second half of the session goes into discussion of particularly significator of mind, card five, in the tarot, also uh, uh, seen as uh, the hierophant, which looks a whole lot like the charioteer, or the chariot, which is card seven, but car in the tarot you know, the end of the cycle of mind, and the cycle of mind which comes first, cards one through seven, uh, significator of mind is five, great way of mind is seven, significator five, sometimes called hierophant, which is like a sage, or the pope in the old days also was the name of the card. It looks a whole lot like the card seven great way of mind called chariot or charioteer. And, <clears throat> uh, and understanding that um, the significator is ultimately fed by uh, distilled love light or polarized um, on one's path fashioned experience, meaning using your life for personal growth, spiritual growth, or development of blue, you know, green, blue, indigo. It's basically the, the use of catalyst and the fashioning of experience, responses to catalyst, and response to catalyst equals fashioning experience. Right? Somebody says, uh, I hate you. And uh, I either say, I hate you too, or I love you, or thank you, or something, something. That's response to catalyst by thereby fashioning my own life experience. Uh, if I'm angry, I fashioned it. If I'm kindly, I fashioned that too. That uh, when, it, when the uh, response to catalyst uh, is what's called efficient use of catalyst, or <clears throat> uh, responding in ways or making decisions based on activation of green, blue, indigo, fourth, fifth, sixth chakra, in balance, or even not in balance, but development of those centers in love, or with green ray, then uh, one is fashioning experience that is of uh, efficient use of catalyst, making good use of our life experience <clears throat> to continue developing uh, love, wisdom, and awareness of unity and uh, spiritual development uh, that begins with the moral and goes through to the mental, um, mental spiritual. So there'll be more discussion of that. Last time we ended at 9710, uh, there was a long answer at 979, where Don was asking about what should be put, should anything else be removed from their design of the tarot cards, <clears throat> because Don didn't want to have astrological 
uh, symbols that were not of Ra, and Ra more clearly uh, puts into perspective the value or the nature of the study of the archetypes, what, what the studying the archetypes is all about. And as I've said, some people get hung up on every little image, and every little image is interesting, and, and you know, being a detective and being an um, investigator of all the occult or spiritual symbolic meanings of all the little elements of every card, that's interesting. And it definitely can help us understand the meaning of that archetype, which can help us understand <clears throat> the meaning of that phase of um, evolution of mind. Right? These archetypes are all in the mind, the deep mind. It's a resource for the conscious mind, meaning a way that we can know ourselves better and know 3D evolution better, to know how we grow in 3D. But um, Ra said at the end of 97.9, we are not messengers of the complex. We're, we bring the message of unity, and in this perspective only may we affirm the value to the seeker of adepthood, of the grasping, articulating, and use of this resource of the deep mind, meaning the archetypical, the study of the archetypes, exemplified by the concept complexes of the archetypes. So, <clears throat> uh, ret- remembering <laughs> the reality of unity and not getting hung up in that which is complex and complicated, uh, understanding that um, everybody's going to have their own view of these cards, and that's fine, and view of these elements of um, evolution of mind in 3D. Because that's what we're also talking about, is evolution of mind, and only in 3D, and moving to adepthood. But it certainly pertains to us in our lives. Uh, and <clears throat> Ra, again, in that 97.9, uh, brings Don out of the fascination with the complex to appreciation of the unified. And so, you say, the archetypical mind does not resolve any paradox or bring all into unity. This is not the property of any resource which is of third density. And so, the archetypes are a resource of third density or for us in third density associated with the deep mind of third density, with the veil. And so, don't forget the, the glory, the might, the majesty, the mystery, and the peace of oneness, Ra, uh, councils in the next sentence there so the new material starts 9710 and we jump into the specifics of significator of mind don says thank you goes on card number five the significator of the mind indicates firstly as i see it simply a male within a regular rectangularly structured form this suggests to me that the significator of the mind and their density is well bounded within the illusion as is also suggested by the fact that the base of the male is a rectangular form showing no ability for movement. Would Ra comment on that? And as I said, this card looks a lot to me like card seven, chariot, charioteer, which is great way of um, mind, and is sitting within a box, which is ornate and beautiful, with two little creatures to the right and to the left at its feet, looking to his left uh, with a winged disc or winged bird atop the whole picture outside the box, holding scepter or whatever within that structure that's a rectangular with two pillars and all of this. But 
<clears throat> definitely bounded and seems not with wheels and so unmoving. So <clears throat> I think Don's analysis here is pretty good. Ross said, oh, student, you have grasped the barest essence of the nature of the significator's complete envelopment within the rectangle. Consider for the self, oh, student, whether your thoughts can walk. The abilities of the most finely toned mentality shall not be known without the use of the physical vehicle which you call the body. Through the mouth, the mind may speak. Through the limbs, the mind may affect action. <clears throat> and so, as in the Buddhist understanding of um, the fashionings of mind-body-speech, uh, the fashionings or the patterns of our thought, our beliefs, right? Views of self, views of world, um, uh, sense of identity, and uh, value systems, deep assumptions, all that um, moves, you know, speaks through the mouth and affects action through the limbs of the body. And uh, Ra seems to be indicating that uh, <clears throat> the nature of the significator of mind uh, being, or, or its nature, is shown by its envelopment in this rectangular box. It's more of a rectangle, I guess, than a box. It's a rectangular shape environment. <clears throat> its, its location within there is the boundedness of the mind complex as a whole, which in and of itself cannot interact with the world except by speech and physical uh, action. Without body, limbs moving, without mind, mouth speaking... Um, the mind <clears throat> itself um, is boxed in and bounded. Can your thoughts walk? <laughs> no. They can fly in the, in the space of mind and within our being, but they cannot meet another or meet the 3D space-time environment except by physical action and speech. And that's, I think, what Ra's explaining as um, the boundedness of the uh, emperor or the the hierophant here <clears throat> in in the rectangular environment, uh, so yes, of course, um, the nature of um, significator of mind, which we haven't really even gotten into Ra's explanation of what it is, <clears throat> but functionally, um, you know, ontologically. Uh, what it is will be further presented, and we've talked a little about it before. Functionally, uh, what it does requires uh, body, limbs, and mouth speech to connect with the physical world. Very simple point there. 97.11, Don says, the entity looks to the left, <clears throat> meaning his left, indicating that the mind is or has the tendency to notice more easily the negative catalyst or negative essence of its environment. Would Ra comment on that observation? Ra said this is substantially correct. It doesn't mean that's the whole reason why the character is facing to its left, but indeed that's a point. And um, it's like if you see a blank white wall uh, and there's a speck of dirt on it, attention naturally goes to the speck of dirt on the blank white wall. <laughs> and if you if there's a spotless white wall, 
what normally is seen is nothing much because, okay, it's a white wall. So, meaning contrast is registered uh, by mind or the def- a, a default setting of mind and attention is the registration or recognition of contrast. Contrast being the difference between this and that. And also, um, what is outside of harmony. And this is sort of, I mean, this, this, you know, I could go talk a long time on just this point because it seems to me one of the main problems with Earth humanity, uh, one of the bases of 3D repeating itself, is an inadequate appreciation for one's pain, an, an inadequate appreciation of dukkha or dissatisfactoriness or the basic stressfulness of living here or the and the desire process of mind the very process of mind that keeps formulating desire grasping and aversion i want i don't like keep it i want to get rid of it uh that is associated with you know continual change and um ultimately stressfulness or some degree of dukkha in the buddhist analysis and i think it's absolutely true meanwhile most people um if you ask them how they're doing they say fine why is that the default setting? Fine. I'm fine. Hey, man. Cool. Yeah. Why? They're not well. <laughs> I mean, there's a Taoist saying, uh, few achieve happiness outside the way, outside the Tao, meaning outside a spiritual perspective, there are few who really are happy. And I think that's basically true. There are some, um, but not so many. And most people are far less well than they think they are. Meanwhile, it is also true that the mind um, in 3D space-time veiled does indeed notice very easily um, what we don't like, negative catalyst. I wouldn't call anything negative catalyst, but I would say uh, that which is associated with the, the unpreferred, that which is not desired, the undesired, uh, which is in Buddhism understood as four of the worldly winds pain, physical pain, you can say emotional pain too, uh, loss, meaning material loss or social loss, Pray, uh, blame, which is in interpersonal um, criticism, judgment, or censure, uh, interpersonal, social, and then dishonor, which is uh, more collective even than, than blame. It's sort of collective blame becomes dishonor in the extreme. And interpersonal blame um, is is a little bit more limited, more confined, and the and the other two loss or pain. Uh, people notice those a lot, but they don't necessarily um, know what it means that that they're noticing or what the causes are. Meanwhile, yes, indeed, it's true that the three D veiled mind very regularly is focused on what's the problem <laughs> and a lot of people particularly the people <clears throat> it, it anyway it just goes on and on but in buddhism there's a personality typolo- typology there's a classification of personality in buddhism from not the, the pali canon but later commentary maybe vishuddhi maga that says their people are people are categorized by which of the three poisons predominate the three poisons being Grasping, aversion, and ignorance. Uh, grasping means desire. Ignorant, uh, aversion means hate or dislike. Want to get away. And ignorance means you know not knowing or confused mind or 
a busy, tangled mind, or dullness in mind, or foggy, non-clarity. And some people are very predominantly one one of those three. Or each of us has our own mixture of those three. So some people are walk around angry, the rager. Some people are walking around hungry. (laughs) All they think about is what they can get, what others have that they want, what's not yet gotten, and all the things they have. And others are just fogged. (laughs) They just walk around in a fog. Or they can't explain themselves. They don't, you know, very heavy fifth chakra blockage, basically. And so, uh, uh, these three tendencies um, lead people uh, to their own form of um, self-deception as well. But anyway, that just goes on and on. (laughs) Uh, But yes, indeed, um, the mind, our mind, does indeed have a tendency to, um, to, to dwell upon the unpreferred rather than how much goodness and happiness or how much goodness we have or how much we can appreciate in gratitude. <clears throat> gratitude is a pretty high spiritual development, I feel. So anyway, going on, 97.12, Don says, There are two small entities at the bottom of the seat of this um, significator character, one black, one white. I would first ask Ra, <clears throat> is this drawing correct in the coloring? Is the black one in the proper position with respect to Ra's original drawings? The black character is to the right, the white character is to the left, and the uh, hierophant or significator character is looking to the left, which is towards the, in the direction, not in the direction, but to the side where that white little little fellow is at his feet. What's that all about? Ra says, that which you perceive as black was first red. Other than this difference, the beings in the concept complex are placed correctly. And that's the association between black and red. Very close. Um, in, in spiritual symbolism. And the association between the black and the red on the negative path. And then you can look into alchemy. <clears throat> and the 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 transmutation of the red to the gold, and the importance of red and black on the negative path, very much so, and red as the essence of black, <laughs> and root chakra red, uh, as emerging out of the soil, like the soil of the planet, which is black or brown, uh, and how red emerges from black, or red is the real uh, basis of black, <laughs> All sorts of interesting reflections there. 97.13, Don says, The red coloration is a mystery to me then. We had originally decided that these represented polarization of the mind, either positive or negative, as its significant self would be either significant as one or the other polarity. Would Ra comment on that? Meaning its significant self, meaning the significator, um, would be uh, directed or oriented positive or negative, then uh, those two characters represent the choice of polarity that the mind in 3D has, or has already determined for itself. Um, that sounds right to me. And Ross says, the indications of polarity are, as presumed by the questioner, the symbolism of old, for the left-hand path was the russet 
coloration, russet, R-U-S-S-E-T. And he, Ra's saying that, that um, traditionally, uh, for hundreds of years, uh, probably really thousands, uh, russet color has been a symbol of the left-hand path and the importance of red, you know, what red is all about. It's dark brown. There are russet potatoes, <laughs> and uh, saffron may be red or dark brown. Uh, you may have uh, mulch that is red. If you do a nice Google images search for russet, you'll see lots of potatoes. Uh, potatoes are good. I respect the potato a lot, but uh, that's not what we mean here. Uh, the if you 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 can see this in certain occult colored drawings or or imagery, uh, russet, red, deep red, dark red, brown red, uh, being linked to the service the self path, and has a certain importance in alchemy for sure. Why is the color of the root chakra associated with the negative path? Mm. Well, I would say first that, and just the not, all of these are very long discussions of alchemy, um, color symbolism, uh, color symbolism as it pertains to the two paths, the dynamics of use of the chakras on the two paths. That's what the basis is, you know. So uh, I would just say that the those on the negative path have a very close binding to red to red to red chak to to root chakra to red ray first chakra that is distinct from the positive in many ways the negative path um main is dependent on the material illusion as the means of polarizing further negative and developing you know uh, the the contact with intelligent infinity, fifth chakra, sixth chakra, just everybody else is blocked. First, second, third, fourth chakra is heavily blocked. Uh, that keeps them red. That keeps them down. That keeps their focus material. And that's the basis of the alchemical uh, emphasis on red in uh, service of self occult, um, you know, imagery and illustration and uh, iconography so that's heavy and interesting 9714 Don starts the question would and Rock cuts it off and says we shall pause at this time if the questioner will be patient there are fairly fairly serious difficulties with the instrument's throat we shall attempt to ameliorate the situation and suggest the rewalking of the circle of one which was the kind of blessing protective ritual they did uh, around Carla at the start of the sessions. So Carla coughs, coughs, then the circle of one was rewalked and breath, um, Don and Jim, expelled two feet above the instrument's head uh, to basically neutralize negatively oriented entities that were uh, plaguing her at that time. Ra goes on, I am Ra, please continue. And this is a kind of a serious matter. 9715, Ra, Don asks about it, says, what was the nature of the problem? What caused it? And Ra responds, the fifth density entity, which greets this instrument, affected a previous difficulty, distorting the throat and chest area of the instrument. 
some fraction of this distortion remained unmentioned by the instrument. It is helpful if the instrument speaks as clearly as possible to the support group of any difficulties that more care may be taken. However, we find very little distortion left in the chest area of the instrument. However, immediately preceding the working, the instrument was offered an extreme activation of what you may call the allergies and the mucus from the flow which this distortion began, uh, sort of, which this uh, extreme activation of what you may call the allergies and the mucus from the flow which this distortion causes began to cause difficulty to the throat. At this juncture, the previous potential for the tightening of the throat was somewhat activated by the reflex of the yellow ray chemical body over which we have only gross control. We would appreciate your reminding us to cause this instrument to cough before or after each query for the remainder of this working. Once conscious, this instrument should have no serious difficulty. So the fifth entity, Orion entity, which um, intended to end the contact at any cost, and ultimately, you know, if it had to be killing Carla or having her choke on her mucus, that was one way to do it. Um, number one, that entity still working on her, um, and relatively effectively. Number two, Carla didn't mention it to the group in the time previous to the session, and I imagine, you know, she has the martyr tendency, but also didn't want to bother them and felt she could take care of it herself, and maybe she felt it wasn't a big deal that she had throat irritation or more mucus or an allergic uh, activation or, you know, an allergy attack. Um, I mean, it's very hard to do everything that's right and important to do for anybody, any time, to do all that's good for ourselves or other, certainly even ourselves. very hard to do. And so she hadn't told them she had an allergy attack, it seems. Uh, she was being counseled by Ra here to please uh, tell the group as clearly as possible when you have a problem. And there was extreme activation of her allergies, and yet the body naturally swallowed or tightened, but uh, she couldn't communicate and swallow mucus at the same time. And there would have been a real problem so she has to now cough before and after every question for the rest of the session. Don picks up further and says, I was wondering, and he just drops that and goes right back to Significator. He says, I was wondering why the dark entity was on the right side of the card as far as the male figure, which is the Significator, is concerned, and the white entity is on the left. And so that's the case, the cards. To the right of the Significator figure, is uh, lower right is the black character to the lower left is the white. Why that? If you could comment on this after making the instrument cough, please. Cough, the nature of, we pause. There's a 10 second pause. So it's not well here. And uh, Ra continues, there was a serious pain flare. We may now continue. Ra explains, the nature of polarity is interesting in that those experiences offered to the significator as positive frequently become, become recorded as productive of biases which may be seen to be negative. Whereas the fruit of those experiences apparently negative 
is frequently found to be helpful in the development of the service to others bias. And this is perhaps the guiding characteristic of that which the mind processes and records these symbols of polarity have thusly been placed. Or as this is perhaps the guiding characteristic of that which the mind processes and processes and records these symbols of polarity, meaning the characters to the bottom of the, char- of the significator, have thusly been placed. You may note that the hands of the central image indicate the appropriate bias for right and left hand working. That is, the right hand gestures in service to others, offering its light outward. The left hand attempts to absorb the power of the spirit and point it for its use alone. And so that's the interesting point. Actually, both hands seem to be pointing to its left, but its left is the white character. It's looking to its left. The white character, the white, you know, little elf is at the bottom to the left. The hands are both pointing to the left. But Ra's saying somehow that um, the hands, um, the left hand, yeah, so that both hands are gesturing towards its left, but its left is the direction of the white elf or white little character. Meanwhile, it's, it's looking, the character is looking to the left, and the hands are pointed to the left. The white guy on the bottom is also on the left. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, it's, it's gesturing in the direction of the white character, meaning positive service to other path, positive path service to other, as its basis, right? Because it's, on the, it's at the foot level, it, the footing of the character of, of the significator on the left is white. And so towards the footing of white is towards the footing uh, or the basis of service to other positive path. Meanwhile, the left hand attempts to absorb power of spirit. And so this just shows you also uh, uh, some of the, the essential principles of activity on positive and negative paths. Uh, activity on the positive path is significantly in uh, about offering light outward. Activity on the surface of self path is significantly about absorbing uh, power uh, from others or from the environment and using it for oneself or keeping it internal, keeping it for oneself. Uh, directed towards power, seeking to accumulate and acquire, uh, hold and keep and keep growing. Uh, it's the uh, essential, um, you know, uh, acquisitive mind, and so it it's, it's it uses the distortion of uh, endless desire here in Kamaloka uh, and impermanence and insubstantiality to keep seeking to take, 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 and absorb. So I mean, you know, negatives as a parasite, negatives as a predator, negative uh, entities. Prey on the weak, prey on anyone they can take from. While on the positive path, it's very much about um, continuing to give, and that's the critical role of dana or generosity or giving uh, at all levels, in all ways, in balance on the positive path. So, and then the previous uh, paragraph um, is is a 
quite a poignant, uh, interesting uh, commentary on the nature of polarity or our experience of polarity here in 3D space-time, in which, and it's very true, um, that experiences that um, would be, would that, that which comes to us as pleasant often <laughs> leads to greater selfishness. And that to which, that come, for those on the positive path at least, um, that which comes to us as a gift or as a blessing or as support or uh, that is of benefit to us um, may well lead us to greater selfishness or um, uh, distortions associated with pride or, you know, a, a more thick, thickly uh, woven uh, sense of ego, uh, sense of self. Um, all the good things that come to me, uh, I take as evidence of how good I am. <laughs> which leads to pride and vanity and service to self-tendency. So that's uh, experiences offered to significator as positive, frequently becoming recorded as productive of biases or producing biases that can be seen as negative. Then the other side is the fruit or the productive biases coming from experiences apparently negative um, leads us often to uh, develop further service to other or positively oriented tendencies and biases meaning turning lemons to lemonade lemons are good you know whether they're lemonade or not but turning the sour and the bitter into a blessing uh no pain no gain uh that kind of thing or the linkage between pain and spiritual growth the linkage between challenging catalyst and the development of further polarization on the positive path, meaning um, using painful life experience or catalyst or illness or relationship conflict or loss or blame or pain, right? All the unpleasant worldly winds. Experiencing the unpleasant worldly winds, uh, pain and loss and blame and dishonor uh, or poverty or neglect, using that to grow well spiritually positively with love wisdom that's very it's commonly done that's i mean that's what bad karma is all about <laughs> that's the logoic or higher self purpose or intention behind um its ho- it, it of its hope for how a soul will meet so-called bad karma or so-called traumatic or painful catalyst is to use it for further you know, positive path bias and um, develop ourselves in, in balance from it. So that's a very 3D thing. And um, <clears throat> the mind, if you look at the mind very well and look quite deeply, you'll see that polarity runs through many levels of the mind, obviously not only conscious mind. Here we see it heavily in the archetypal mind. The 3D space-time veiled mind is uh, thoroughly polarized. (laughs) And the only way to get out of that is to heal distortions. And that's, I mean, the the heavy polarity of the 3D veiled mind itself 
at many levels of its functioning, uh, is associated with the, the chronicity, how chronic lower chakra blockages are. So it's all very interesting and heavy. 97.17, I will finish this session today. Uh, <clears throat> Don says, the eight cartouches at the bottom of card five would possibly signify the energy centers and the evolution through those centers, possibly for either the positive or negative polarization, because of the white and black coloration of the figures. Would Ra comment on that after making the instrument cough? She coughs. Ra says, the observations of the student are perceptive. It is informative to study the stud- It is informative to continue the study of octaves in association with this concept complex. Many are the octaves of a mind-body-spirit complex's beingness. There is not one that does not profit from being pondered in connection with the considerations of the nature of the development of polarity exemplified by the concept complex of your card number five. How about that for a sentence? There is not one... um, There is not one octave meaning a sevenfold or eightfold system, a set of seven, a set of eight. I mean, octave means eight, right? But the seven densities are called an octave. Why is this, why not called a, uh, a septonate? Well, it's because the seven uh, planes or dimensions of the octave, cosmologically, uh, is also one. And so... Um, that seven is indeed not only seven, it's, uh, it's a one that appears at seven. And adding the one and the seven gives you an eight. So it's an eight that is ultimately a one. Or it's a one that appears as seven that can be considered an eight. <laughs> okay? So many are the octaves of a mind-body-spirit complex's beingness. What does that mean? Well, you can certainly say that every chakra has seven subplanes. And so there are the, the 49 planes, oh well, let's just say the 49 sub-chakra levels, free, sub-chakra frequencies, or minor, major and minor chakras, uh, gives us seven chakras with seven subplanes, so 49. Those are seven octaves uh, within the seven chakras, the seven chakras as seven octaves. And that... There, there are other levels of talking about octave also in relation to the triad of mind-body-spirit. And then the triad of mind-body-spirit, higher self, and uh, seventh density totality complex. That's another triad, or trinity, or triplicity, right? You've got mind-body-spirit is a three, which is one. You've got mind-body-spirit complex, and higher self, and seventh density totality complex, that three is also a one, uh, and every chakra has seven subplanes, so that all seven um, is really 49 or seven other octaves. Anyway, that goes on and on too. But um, there is not one octave of the many octaves of a mind-body-spirit complex of our beingness, which is really a higher self level, or from the level of higher self the totality of a self, the totality of a seven-dimensional being. There are many octaves in the totality of a seven-dimensional being. There is not one 
octave, <laughs> not any one of those octaves of the seven-dimensional being, would not any one of them would be unhelpful to, to study, meaning every one of them is helpful to study. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's a double negative, which negative negative goes to positive. So every single one of the many octaves of a seven-dimensional being <clears throat> um, may well be prof pondered or may be well pondered or will lead to help if we ponder uh, in consideration to the nature you know to the to the nature of our path development of polarity and that's very much associated with card number five so there's the card number five is very rich significator cards uh, 5 12 19 are very important and in many ways there is a linkage between the fifth card and higher self uh, I see the fifth card or the significators all three of them significator of mind body spirit <clears throat> the um, mind is sometimes called the hierophant five the body 12 card 12 is hanged man 19 uh, significator spirit looks like the lovers I think with uh, a beautiful happy couple a royal couple under a very a very active sun there um, <clears throat> those three significators are all of the deep mind right so they're uh, of the significator of the mind actually <laughs> The significators of mind, body, spirit, <clears throat> I would say, are all aspects of significator of mind, or they're, es they're essential to um, their function is, uh, again, I would say, akin to how the word soul is used in some theosophical Western ageless wisdom material, uh, where soul is a midway point between the incarnate body, mind, spirit, complex and higher self in sixth density. So what persists uh, after death that um, reincarnates uh, an aspect of which reincarnates again, you know, the greater 3D self or the greater incarnating self is not higher self. It's uh, something midway between our incarnated experience and higher self. But, you know, at some level, the, the, in some way of analysis, the seven-dimensional self is one being. And it can be understood as three levels, meaning the incarnated mind-body-spirit complex and higher self and the totality complex. It can be understood that there are three points of awareness, three primary points of awareness in the seven-dimensional self. But the seven-dimensional self, it can be seen as a vehicle for the logos, so it's not a self, it's a vehicle. The seven-dimensional self is ultimately a seven-dimensional vehicle with three points of awareness for the Logos. Who is this? Who's speaking here anyway, right? The true man without rank, Lin Chi said. Who is he or she? He, who is it? What is it? It's not a he or she at that point, you know. <laughs> Forget gender. It's a what. What is it? Who is this? Right? Who is this that speaks? Well, you know, anybody, everybody's guess is uh, is good. But from a deep analysis, I would say metaphysically, the speaker is the logos. Right? That's what it means. All is one. You know, 
And that doesn't mean I'm hoity-toity or toy, as uh, Goldfinger said, Goldflake, the Dutchman in Austin Powers number three. Very funny guy, strange fellow. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> the the speaker <laughs> is the source of the octave. I mean, that's when Nichinanda says everybody is God. That's what it's meant. That's what's meant here. You know, who is the self? Uh, you know, aham tatvamasi. I am that. Well, what is that I? Well, I would say it's the logos using. Um, the threefold points of awareness of the sevenfold, you know, totality of uh, what we call the seven-dimensional self. The seven-dimensional self has a vehicle. In any case, um, these three significators, which really point to the, I would say, the fashioning uh, of... Um, of, of the soul, the aspect that the aspect of spirit or soul that's being created by space-time experience. You can't create higher self, but there is um, there there is a feeding of significator, and that's very much like uh, and uh, feeding soul and uh, pondering these various octaves. Uh, which I really don't know how that relates exactly to card five, other than the sevenfold, you know, studying octaves equals studying sevenfold systems. And so there's the seven dimensional self, which is um, a sevenfold system. There's the seven chakras of our incarnation. There is the implicit octave of the tarot, meaning we have 21, 22 cards also can be seen in light of octaves. So, um, you know, know thyself, <laughs> said the Delphic or Oracle. Uh, know yourself. When you know yourself, you'll ultimately know totality, because self and totality is one life. Not the same, but one life. And so, um, this is deep, deep. 9718... Don says, do the symbols on the face of each of these little cartouches, such as the birds and the other symbols, have a meaning in this card that is of value in considering the archetype? Would you answer that after making the instrument cough, please? Ross said that these symbols are letters and words, much as your language would receive such an entablature. Entablature. They are, to a great extent, enculturated by a people not of your generation, meaning ancient Egyptians, let us in the rough suggest that the information written upon these cartouches be understood to be such as the phrase, quote, and you shall be born again to eternal life. So, <laughs> you can say that the feeding of a significator of mine is ultimately the um, development of the seven chakra system or our soul evolution in 3D that allows harvestability to fourth density and um, freedom from death. Freedom from material death equals harvestability, equals the meek, you know, inheriting the earth or basically being qualified for fourth, densional, fourth density experience. No longer having to be human no longer having to cycle in third density. 
And that's exactly what Yeshua was teaching, basically. Inscription in the Book of Life, the um, New Testament, meaning the new Book of Life, uh, that didn't require tribal or racial or genetic basis, uh, open to all um, for those who walk in love and have faith. Uh, that is akin to being born again to eternal life. So you see that? That's the funny thing. Um, once you're free of 3D uh, required incarnation, re you know, once a, an entity is free of cycling in third density, which simply is 51% serves the other, which means simply, you know, some basic uh, commitment to virtue and honesty for self and other in, in thought, word, and deed. Basically, just that, leading to freedom from required recycling, reincarnation, 3D. That's akin to eternal life, because actually the entity doesn't have to die physically ever again, because they don't have to be reborn physically ever again. And that's akin to born to eternal life. And that's very much the, rec the result of feeding the significator of mind by, you know, uh, fashioning, you know, the, the efficient use of catalyst, fashioning experience, supporting continued development on the positive path, which is basically green, blue, indigo. And so the words, the letters on the cartouche is, is not important. They're of the Egyptian culture. The word entablature, 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 um, is an upper part of a classical building supported by columns or a colonnade compromising the architrave, frieze, or cornice. Very cool words. Anyway, that's the upper part of the structure in which um, <clears throat> the uh, significator of mind sits where these cartouches are portrayed or given which then have, you know, are of Egyptian culture. But they're very much, um, regardless of the words and the letters, uh, about um, resurrection, spiritual resurrection from death to life, meaning never to die again, born to eternal life. That's what the Christians, you know, that's where it started. It's just that teachings on reincarnation were squelched by... Um, you know, the political leadership of the early church. Uh, they had a hard time with all sorts of things. They had a lot of, they were not very high souls, some of them, by the way. Some of the church fathers are very freely deceptive and, and lying, actually. There's all sorts of stuff about that. It's strange. Mm -hmm. But uh, the linkage between significator of mind and freedom from 3D recycling, I think, is the key uh, one key to understanding these cartouches and the meaning of this card. 9719, Don says, thank you. Goes on, I thought that the wings at the top of the card may indicate, might indicate the protection of the spirit over the process of evolution. Would Ra comment on that after having the instrument cough? Ra said, we shall end this session <clears throat> for we are having considerable difficulty in using the sympathetic nervous system in order to aid the instrument in providing sufficient of your air for its respiration. Therefore, we prematurely suggest ending this session. <clears throat> they didn't even answer the question. But it looks right, the idea of the, the winged disc or the winged, the beautiful great wings uh, above the whole rectangular structure. 
uh, certainly looks to me also like protection of spirit over the process of 3D evolution. And the, the intrinsic linkage, you can also say higher self over soul. Higher self is called over soul. Hey, the Seth material. Over soul means that which is over the soul. Well, the significator of mind is the feeder to soul, is uh, the primary 3D deep mind resource that does, I think, feed soul that does lead to freedom from 3D recycling and the qualification to live in fourth density and up. And uh, over that soul uh, is higher self, our Atman, sixth density, which is called over soul, because it is over the soul. Um, and that may be the wings over the box or the over the, uh, the rectangular structure. But Ra wouldn't even answer it because Carl was very unwell and not able to breathe, actually. And so Roger said, let's just end right now. And 9720, Don says, it's not necessary to answer this if you want to end the session, to want to end right now for the instrument's benefit, but is there anything we can do to improve the contact or make the instrument more comfortable? I think Don was taken by surprise, actually, by how serious this might have been because <clears throat> Ra has shown itself to be extremely capable in taking care of Carla through a lot of attacks, uh, somebody would say, oh, Ra's evil because she's attacked. And uh, somebody else will say, no. <laughs> this is the way the law of the universe works, friend. Uh, if you do high and potent white work, um, the black ones come. If you do very potent work with love and light, negative entities are, are attracted. Um, and to the extent that we still have seven ray distortions or blockages and distortions in mind, there is some vulnerability. And um, it's not, I mean, Ra wouldn't be in the position, or they couldn't, or they wouldn't wipe their wipe away the negatives and um, throw them out of the room for good. They couldn't, or they wouldn't. It's an infringement somehow. Um, and that's the way I would understand it. It doesn't mean Ra is evil. It just means that um, this is the way the universe works. If you're not a Buddha... Um, negatives will be attracted to strong love light act activity. Then, Ra said, all is well. The support group functions well. It is suggested that the instrument be encouraged to take steps to recover completely from the distortion towards the aching of the throat and, to a lesser extent, the chest. There is no way in which we or you may remove that working which has been done. It simply must be removed by physical recovery of the normal distortion. This is not easy due to this instrument's tendency towards allergy. The alignments are being carefully considered. I am Ra. I leave you, my friends, glorying and rejoicing in the love and the light of the infinite creator. Go forth then in the great dance, empowered by the peace of the one infinite creator, Adonai. So, uh, Ra was uh, because of Carla's uh, pre-incarnative uh, configuration of allergy or allergy prone physiology the negative entity had something to work with uh, for various reasons it could be it was exacerbated at this time Aching, leading to aching throat and raw, needing to prematurely end the session. Meanwhile, the alignments are carefully considered. The group functions well. So they're doing pretty well. 
yet she um, didn't explain that she was having an allergy attack and she still has this martyr tendency and didn't want to share her pain, which would have made things better because Ra could have done this or the session would have been delayed or whatever. Uh, and there's also just this little point that what has been done um, cannot be undone physiologically, in some case, in this case, what has been done or the damage to her system or respiration or the allergy, the consequences of the allergy attack are and can only be removed by physical, by, by gradual, normal physical recovery and meaning um, rest and healing. And that physical recovery of the normal distortion <laughs> throws some people off who don't understand the usage of the term distortion in the raw material, which I've gone over many times. Uh, the normal distortion is the normal condition, but the condition that's normal and healthy seen can be seen as a distortion uh, from the law of one, from the perspective of, of unity. I mean, the law of free will is the first distortion, right? So <laughs> everything that flowed from that called the octaves, the galaxies, stars, planets, dimensions, beings, octaves, the whole situation, came out of the first distortion, therefore it's all distorted from the perspective of, of infinity, or that which is non-distorted, which is the reality of infinity that is, and in some way, um, all uh, creation is illusory. That's the point. It's not that it's unreal. It's just illusory. It's born of limited perception and of vibrating light or dancing thought. It's not material, but it appears material. It's illusory. It's insubstantial. It's maya. It's sunya, empty. Uh, it, that doesn't mean it's unreal, but it's um, relative, it's provisional, it's temporary, it's um, not what you think it is. Um, it's profoundly metaphysical, and, um, you know, Ross said the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable, meaning uh, what we experience as the physical. Um, is a manifestation uh, of an invisible metaphysical, like like physical matter and energy fields. But those energy fields come out of thought. So you've got thought, and you've got energy fields, and then you've got material, matter, precipitation. Precipitation of thought, you know, uh, energy follows thought. So thought, by mind and will and intention and desire, uh, moves energy fields or establishes energy fields associated with mind that then translate that, that then establish um, physical activity or speech and physical deed comes out of the energy fields that are born of thought okay uh, <clears throat> and um, that whole system uh, to think that the material is um, to, to, to take experience that is that is for us apparently material and and believe that there's nothing more than it is called materialism, existential nihilism uh, and a super duper wrong view understood by Buddhism and Hinduism actually and and Yeshua <laughs> every every sage knows that the materialists are in big trouble actually but they themselves don't know uh, 
and so the the apparently material physical uh, being a manifestation of the of the essentially invisible metaphysical energy fields and thought right there's energy fields we don't see with our eyes uh, and the thought that gave rise to energy fields that are associated with the structure of the seven dimensions and 3d uh, we don't know the mind either that's the mind of the logos and the mind of higher self also that sets up all sorts of things all that is invisible to us but i would say that the um the physical material finite is inseparable from the non-physical metaphysical infinite <clears throat> so the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable etc i would say also the finite and the ins- and the infinite are inseparable or the material the the physical is a manifestation of the metaphysical the finite is a, an appearance of the infinite the dual is an appearance of the unified the unified is actually an appearance of the infinite and the infinite is source that's called intelligent infinity hey hey the one infinite creator so um Maya doesn't mean it's not real. It means that it's only temporarily, provisionally, relatively real based on our current limited perception and limited development. But the metaphysical inseparable cannot be be removed from the metaphysical. The apparently finite also cannot be uh, separated from its essential nature, which is infinite. You can say the source is infinite, you can also say its nature now is infinite. You can say the source of the physical is metaphysical. You can say that the nature of the physical is metaphysical. And that's really where Buddhism goes. Is form is emptiness, emptiness is form. So, <laughs> you know, there have been people who are very clear about these things uh, for several millennia. And, of course, before. They don't normally have a platform. Uh, but but um, this kind of... Um, metaphysical uh, cosmology, ontology, understanding the nature of creation from a spiritual perspective um, is very helpful for those ready. It's very nice. It's very, you know, 7-1 is in a nice, uh, nice alignment between crown and root if you are ready when you do the work. So, anyway, that's the end of the session. Um, go forth then in the great dance, um, empowered by the peace of the one infinite creator. Beautiful phrase at the end here. Session 97 here ends, uh, was September 15, and session 98 was September 24. So just nine days they rested. Session 98 uh, appears to be 100% book five. So 100% of in fact, there probably was no session 98 <laughs> in the first printing of uh, the Law of One because it all was relegated to Book 5. Uh, the whole of the session is in blue on the Law of One info page. Uh, and what we've got is basically dynamics of the continued psychic attack, uh, dynamics of Don's process and, Ra- and Carla's allergy, Ra gives one of the longest responses in the entire book 
at 98.5. Um, looks like almost 10 paragraphs. More of L&L and their cats, and then um, it's all about maintenance. So um, there are just 18 exchanges. We'll take one or two weeks. I mean, there, there are many important metaphysical principles that are given anyway um, when it's just personal material for sure. And so then we have 98, 99, 100, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 9 more to go. And um, breaking to the uh, centennial or centenary or something, and I, uh, 98 approaching 100. Uh, deep stuff. I hope it's been helpful. Um, please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.